Hi guys. It is five o'clock on Monday. I see Alice in Wonderland. Pilates is back. <laughs> or pilots. Oh, I love it. Sunflower. Okay. Let's get rolling. Who has an issue? What do we want to talk about tonight? If you don't have an issue, then I had the distinct pleasure of coaching yesterday and at the end of it was able to succinctly state five steps to use in any situation. Um, so if nobody has anything to volunteer to coach on, what I'll do is I'll go through these five steps with the skills associated with each step and we can just crunch this through the brain mill and see if it stands up the way I think it does. Um, so here we go. Does anybody have anything they want to coach on? We'll give it a few minutes. Okay, you guys, we talk a lot about the default model and the intentional model. And in the default model, typically what that represents is that moment in time when we are in survival mode, when we are experiencing some situation that has us like a deer in headlights, or when we're experiencing the sort of generalized and chronic stress of being a surgeon, all of which keeps us functioning in that um, hindbrain primitive kind of neural network. And that's where our default model comes from. The intentional model comes from the prefrontal cortex. So we can think all day long about what we want a situation to be like Okay, this is hilarious. Pilates will be available for talking in 15 to 20 minutes. She is otherwise engaged with something else at the moment, which is awesome. Um, okay, so back to what I was saying. Um, the default model is not where we want to stay. It's not an effective place to be. It's okay, let me back up. It's effective insofar as it's representative of the elegant survival mechanisms of the human brain and body. But other than that, we cannot move forward from that model. So what we really want is to be in the intentional sort of like forward focused model. To get from point A to point B, though, is a little bit difficult and requires some nervous system regulation. So what I came up with yesterday was this amazing acronym it's kind of cheesy, but it's also kind of cool. And I'm going to have to Google it to see if this, it has like a trademark or something because it literally popped out of my brain yesterday. But if we're looking at any situation at all, I already have it written out from yesterday. You can do these simple steps and have a way to move forward. So the steps are detach, regulate, externalize, analyze and move. 
So imagine you're in some super stressful situation. You're um, in the OR. Somebody's yelling at you. Uh, Somebody, you know, they don't have your stuff. People are being snippy, whatever. You can fill in the blank there, whatever the stressful situation is. So how do we then engage with that moment in that situation with those individuals in an empowered way instead of, lashing out at them or ourselves, beating ourselves up, um, acting like an ass, um, any number of ineffective modes of engagement. How do we avoid ineffective modes of engagement? Well, this is what you do. First, you detach. And what that means is, is you either pause internally in your brain, so cognitively, or you physically leave the room. And there have been times where I have physically left the room to go blow my nose or go to the bathroom, which serves as a convenient little way to hit the pause button. Sometimes that's not possible. So you just have to pause internally. So pause and immediately become the watcher of the situation. So watcher of yourself, really. The next thing you do is regulate. That's where then you immediately employ some measure or multiple measures of um nervous system regulation techniques like tapping, humming, um, regular rhythmic movement of some kind. I mean, I have a list of a hundred things I can share with you that you can do to regulate your nervous system for like 30 seconds or a minute. What that does is, is it tells your body that you are safe and not in immediate danger. Once your body recognizes that you're not in immediate danger, then your brain suddenly has these pathways that come alive up to the prefrontal cortex and allows your executive functioning to come on. The next step then is to externalize. So often what we're worried about is how something relates to us. What are they going to, what are they going to think about me? Um, How am I going to react? So I don't look like an idiot. How am I going to react? So I don't have to have this unpleasant emotion. Um, We look at things in a kind of an egocentric way. Now that's not a criticism. That's just a human thing to do. But what is more effective is is if you on purpose externalize your focus to everybody else around you. Number one, your patient. Number two, everybody else that's on your team could be in your home life. How do you externalize to the other people in the home? Like make it not about only you. That's just a focus. You focus outward. Then the next step is analyze. So To analyze properly, what we need to do is get out of tunnel vision and look at a larger landscape. So I I call that widening the aperture. Imagine what happens when your eyes dilate to let more light in. Similar, it's like you've got to dilate your field of view so you can see like the entire field. You want to be able to, like if it's a game, you want to see the entire field. And even gamifying things is really useful because guess what the brain hates? The brain hates work. The brain loves games. The human brain loves fun. It loves games. It loves puzzles and problem solving in that context. So just expanding the field of view and making it a game is um, just an effective technique. And then once you have that bigger view of the landscape, then tell the truth about what's actually going on. That can look like a number of different things, but a lot of times the things that bother us are things that aren't even really true. So it just gives you this opportunity to check yourself and see what's really true. Um, Like if it's 
a dude who's in the room with you who's mansplaining, which is like at the surface level, very annoying and makes us feel defensive. Well, then we can ask ourselves, like, what's really true about this situation? Is this guy just being an asshole or is he feeling primarily unsafe right now and has to puff himself up like a peacock in order to create his own safety and his own human person? Like, I don't know, maybe he is an asshole, but just asking the questions to see what the truth is helps you see more clearly what needs to be dealt with and what doesn't, what you can just omit and flush and what you really need to pay attention to. And then the next thing is, once you know what you really need to pay attention to, is you triage. We all know how to triage. So that's where you're just assessing what needs to be addressed, addressed first, second, third, fourth, etc. Once you do that, now you're in a position to move forward. But it's not enough to move forward alone. It's to move forward with and re-engage in the situation with a noble purpose. And the reason why I say noble purposes is because that keeps in mind not necessarily what is good for you and you alone, but what is good for you as well as every other person that is with you and engaging in that situation at the same time. If you have in mind what is best for the patient, what is best for all the other people in the room and yourself, you are much more likely to make a decision that's a sound decision and one that's an empowered decision and an effective decision, a decision for effective action rather than the opposite which is what a lot of people normally do, which is ineffective action, like yell, pout, uh, ruminate, um, any number of other actions that really don't help you change anything. Okay, that's in a nutshell. Who wants to just grind it up? Because I really think I'm onto something here and I want to get you guys involved to see, does this make sense? Um, is this something... we could be using. I think it's, I think it's pretty good. So let's open it up for discussion. Anybody who has anything to say. I think the interesting thing is, is that it seems all very like dramatic and long, but these are things that are going to be happening super, super fast in real time. The only thing that takes a little bit of time is regulating your own nervous system but the rest of it just becomes these very sort of like quick, quick things that you're doing in your brain before you then move on. So I think it could be useful, particularly with lots of practice. Um, okay. Anybody? We have several more people logged on now and you guys are coming up with better and better names. We've got Magic Treehouse uh, and Procrastinator, Sunflower, Pilates, and Alice in Wonderland. Does anybody have anything to discuss? Okay, so if you don't have anything to discuss, I'm gonna start yammering on about something else, which is super exciting. I think the thing that's missing in our education is leadership. Um, leadership curriculum. Once you get out and you're then plugged into your job, it seems like then you can get professional development and physician leadership kind of curricula. 
but that's not something that's baked into our training. And isn't that weird? Because at the end of the day, all we're really doing besides all the surgery and all the important stuff there is managing people. And we have absolutely no instruction on how to manage people. And it's fascinating to me that this is lacking unless something has changed. It's fascinating that this is lacking in medical education. So I think what would be a really awesome thing to do and develop is a leadership curriculum for residents, particularly surgical residents, so that we can start bridging this gap earlier. And I think leadership, um, I haven't really formulated all of my thoughts around it, but I think I think that that could be a thing. I don't know. Now I'm just blabbing on and on. Who has something they want to talk about? Anybody? Pilates said she might have something to talk about. She's going to be able to join in in a couple minutes. But other than that, does anybody else? If you don't want to raise your hand, you can also put it in the chat. Okay, procrastinator says, I have something, but I don't think it applies to what you were talking about. Well, that doesn't matter. We can still talk about it. Um, okay, procrastinator, if you would be so inclined, could you tell us what's going on? Hang on. Let me allow you to talk. Hello? Hi, procrastinator. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm okay. I'm pretty good. Um, I hang on. I need to change my settings so that it doesn't keep just switching to my screen when I'm talking. Oh yeah, me too. Uh, maybe yeah, I review. I need to pin your. I'm not sure. Hopefully, you did that. I did gallery view, so it it matters because I'm I'm re my recording will get uploaded. I don't think people actually watch the recordings; they probably only listen, so it doesn't matter. But um, okay, yeah, what's going on? Um, so yes, I missed the initial uh, framework that you were going through, but That's from okay. looking at it, it just didn't seem like it was as much related to what I have, which is that I have massively procrastinated a lecture slash presentation, a talk I have to give on Friday. Okay. At a local regional, I guess it's, you know, regional uh, symposium. Okay. It's an annual symposium. It's been happening every year for many years. There's probably going to be not a ton of people there, maybe 125, 150 people. Okay. Um, and the talk is primarily supposed to be a presentation about, um, uh, about like, uh, sorry, um, demographic, uh, like a presentation of a dem demographic data. Um, from, you know, our past, uh, like 20 years experience of, blah, blah, which that data is supposed to be pulled from registries and things like that. Okay. Um, was it? 
I'm not sure. I touched base with the person who was primarily in charge of doing that legwork uh, this morning, and it sounds like she thinks that she can pull enough together by tomorrow so that I could potentially incorporate that and have my slides into the conference organizers by Wednesday. But who knows? What's the, what's the name of the con? Like, you don't have to tell me, like, um, trying to keep your anonymity. Is there any way we can know more specifically the nature of the conference? Um, it's, uh, it's a medical conference, not like a, you know, a oh, yeah. robotic, it's, like a Da Vinci conference or so, like what's right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like an educational medical conference that will be, it's, it's relatively specialized. Um, it'll be attended by a variety of providers. So not just physicians, there'll be okay. physicians and APPs and nurses and, um, some administrative affiliates. Okay. And what's EMS, the nature? I'm know. sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I was just saying EMS people, et cetera. Those. Yeah. What's Is this the trauma name? conference? Yes. Okay, trauma conference. Is it peds or adult? Peds. Peds. Okay. Um, and the data that you're supposed to be presenting, is it like what's the data related to? You have 20 uh, years of experience of blah, 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 of like outcomes, of like time to OR on QI, like what's the blah, blah, blah? I think it's primarily demographics. You know, it's like, it's... Uh, oh, you said that. Sorry. Demographics. That's okay. Um, you know, like here's who... It's dog bites. So, you know, okay. here's who... Here's our experience with dog bites over the past 20 years. Okay. Well, do you really need data to talk about that? Uh, you know, not necessarily, right? So, like, I've got 10, the past 10 years, sorry, 10 years was already presented. Um, I think maybe as a poster uh, years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so this would be an update. The idea was that this would be an update. Here's the the additional 10 years and then yeah it's not just going to be me presenting the data it would be like uh you know here's how we manage things these days you know here's what might be new um so and that is that information that you have top of mind like you don't have to go mining for that is this like a part of your practice so you're like i know that well, both. It, both. It's definitely a part of my practice. So there's stuff that I know. Um, but I think it would certainly be worthwhile to look through the literature that's recent, see if there's anything new. Certainly if there's anything new that I don't know. I mean, one of the benefits of putting together these talks is that you do learn something typically. Yeah. Um, and this is a new, and the, and well, one of the issues is though, as you're getting at, like, this is a new talk for me. So I don't have already created slides. 
okay. that I that you know it's not one of those that I'm just like taking my slide deck and just tweaking it a little and adding some a few new things and there's the talk. It's it it's a talk that I'd be creating basically de novo. What happened to the one that was done before with the last 10 years of data? Uh, I think that was just a poster and I have the oh. poster. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm not listening very carefully. Clearly you okay. said poster. Sure. Um, sure. Okay. So talk created de novo. Okay. Oh, this is great because people have had to do this ever since PowerPoint was invented. In ortho, um, which I don't know if you're an ortho or not, but in ortho, we we have like this shared thing on a Google or no wait Dropbox. People just share their slides because of how dumb it is to reinvent the wheel every single time (laughs) to give a new talk. That's that's great. I am not aware of something like that for us, but uh, depending on how much you guys deal with dog bites, I certainly could look through it. If Yeah. I mean, are you um, in Surgeon Moms Group? No, because I'm not a mom. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. That was a no, it's fine. particularly marginalizing question to ask you. Um, <laughs> Don't worry about it. That would be the first place I would look is Surgeon Moms Group. In fact, I'll just go in there and post for you. I'll just be like, hey, does anybody have a dog bite talk? see what happens (laughs) anyway so yeah I mean I've been thinking thank you magic treehouse um I've been thinking you know one of my options honestly is to cancel and just say you know what well I could cancel in two different ways I could either make something up i.e lie or I could tell you know a a diplomatic version of the truth that is, you know, I've been pretty burnt out. I've needed to take time for myself and, you know, our research coordinator left. So we switched to a new one and it's been tough. So I just didn't get to put this talk together. It wouldn't be the end of the world. I wouldn't get fired. I think the repercussions would be minimal. I, the main, I, I think the main thing that's stopping me there, or that would be the con of canceling is um, I don't want to embarrass our institution. Okay. You know, as a representative of our institution, I don't want us to look bad. Um, And it's hard to say whether that would be the case or not. Like people may or may not care. <laughs> You know, they may not be thinking in that way. Um, the deadline, I think I probably, you know, say I don't submit my slides Wednesday when they're due. Could I turn them in Thursday? I'm sure they'd probably take them. They just wouldn't be super happy about it, but it also wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, so, you know, the options I've been considering are, you know, that, um, Potentially, uh, one might suggest like, you know, Hey, could I present a can talk? Something that I do have ready. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything that's great that would fit into this at this moment that I haven't done at the same symposium before. Um, so that 
it, that's a that's a struggle. Um, likewise, getting somebody to fill in for me, eh, possible. Again, I don't know how much the like. I'm not sure how much the organizers of the conference would be like. Well, we really wanted this topic, so we don't want somebody new talking about some other topic because the people who I think I'd have the option of asking to fill in for me would be talking about a different topic. Um, is the whole symposium about dog bites or is it just a trauma? It's about trauma. So what is the most vexing, um, talk you already have complete? The most vexing? Well, maybe vexing is not the right word. What's what's your favorite one? Vexing is definitely not the right word. What's what's a talk you have in the bank right now that is, you know, a talk about trauma? Uh, Just anything. Yeah, I have that. Um, but I've like the the problem is that that talk is, you know, my primary specialty, I guess. And so I primarily talk about that. And I've given that talk before at this symposium. How long ago? Past couple of years. Okay. Maybe, maybe not last year, but two years ago or something like that. So recent enough that I'm not crazy about that idea. Well, I am crazy about that <laughs> idea. You know why? <laughs> let's apply Let's apply what I'm I just listening. Um, yes. About. I'm totally crazy about this idea, particularly because of who is at, at who, who, with with whom is the talk being given? It's going to be potentially gonna, the whole audience. You know, it could be anyone from that group. Right. You said it's educational. It's APPs, EMS, some doctors. There's probably going to be like a clown sitting in the back somewhere. There's going to be maybe a horse trainer. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. This is my attempt at levity. Um, But the point is, is this is a broad audience, right? It's a broad audience. It's not like you're giving the talk to trauma surgeons alone. Yes. Right? Okay. If you haven't already noticed, adults need repetition to learn. Repetition is the hallmark of adult education. Probably all humans need repetition, but adults in particular, because our brains are getting old and crusty, we need to hear things like a bazillion, gazillion times in order for stuff to sink in. And even though you feel like you've given this and it's not fresh, I promise you the audience will be like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I didn't remember that or whatever, because people don't remember stuff. So I think you would be safe giving your own talk again. I also think you have an opportunity to give an updated version of your own talk. Um, I also think that the coordinators of this thing, if unless they're psychopaths, would much rather have you come and give this talk um, on something that is complete and well done, presumably, (laughs) especially if you really did lose your research coordinator. It's like a little bit of a. Yeah, we did. We did. Somebody, you know, we we gave 
their job temporarily to uh, somebody else who's not the research coordinator. Um, but yeah. This is where effective engagement is so critical because it's not like, what are you losing? It's what are you gaining when you communicate with these people? It's like, I am so sorry. You know, everybody has been stretched to the max with this max exodus in healthcare. I'm sure you've seen it in your own domain. We lost a research coordinator. And unfortunately, I was not able to put together the data in sufficient a manner to make a meaningful talk about a dog bite update. Sure. However, I have this other thing that I have been tweaking and massaging and, and it's perfectly updated and ready to go and super relevant to this audience. It's like you can present it as an alternate, like which would you rather just have a hole in the program or would you rather have me do this? It's your choice. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good idea of presenting that option to them. Like, People love alternatives because there's always an obvious choice. Well, not always, but most of the time, especially when you present one as absurd, right? <laughs> it's absurd that they would want a hole in their program. But I guess so. Yeah, when probably. You give, <laughs> when you give them the two alternatives, it's like, well, of course they're going to choose the other thing and they're going to be glad to have it. And the, and the audience will truly benefit from it because adults do not listen and it will still be fresh. And even though it's not fresh to you, it'll be fresh to them. I guarantee it. Um, but, okay, so how how does that sit with you? Because I feel strongly about this. <laughs> I don't know if you can um, Yeah, it, I mean, not bad. I It's definitely something to consider. I, I am considering it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it will require me to just, yeah, take the leap of faith and believe what you're saying, which is that people will still be interested. Because that, I think, would be my greatest fear with doing, I think my the main barrier for me in doing what you're talking about is just, uh people are going to be like, oh, she's talking about that again. Okay, so, this is perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing this to us because this will allow us to crunch this through these steps. So the first thing we're just going to detach, pause, and you're going to become the watcher of yourself. So you're watching yourself, him and haw about what to do. Now let's imagine you're regulating your nervous system because when we're just hemming and hawing and we're stressed out about it, you can, it's really hard to use your brain, your prefrontal cortex, your executive brain to make a damn decision. Um, so you regulate yourself, maybe you meditate, maybe you do, um, EMDR, maybe you go for a run. I don't know what you do to, to regulate your nervous system, but regulate your nervous system. The next thing you do is externalize, focus outward. What is better? What's best for everybody here? What would be best for everybody? Okay. Right. And you are a part of everybody. My guess is what is not best for you is to drop everything you're doing and make a de novo dog bite presentation in the next two days. Now, can you do it? Of course. Do you want to? Doubtful. Is it going to be more stressful and you have to neglect other things? My guess is yes. You even mentioned some, you mentioned something about like, 
um, needing to, you know, really make a boundary for yourself or like give yourself, you know, self-care or something like that. You said, yeah, I, um, I, you know, I think the, the email, if I were going to send an email that was the cancellation email, mm-hmm. it would be, yeah, I've been really burnt out. I have needed to take time for myself. You know, there's plenty of stuff I could put in there. Right. <laughs> that, so, you know, yeah. yes. And while all that might be true, that email is not going to be very well received because it's going to look like you, um, it will, it will have the residue of like self, like a self-serving kind of, um, like a self-serving quality to it. Like, how can you do that by, how can you say that email with words that make them feel like they're winning? Mm. Cause they're losing. They, they're like, okay, well, I guess we're not important or, you know, something along those lines, even though it may be true that you need to do those, like you need to have time for yourself. But what I'm proposing here is to create time for yourself by not doing a new, a new PowerPoint, use one that you already have, buff it up, which will take you like what, an hour max, put some gory pictures in it that are really entertaining and boom, you have educational material for this very broad and diverse audience. Hmm. Like that's a win-win. Okay. So we externalize the focus outward to what's best for everybody. And you're included in everybody because Mm -hmm. what is best for only them might be you working through the night tonight, like a vampire to make a new dog bite talk, but that's not what's best for you. So you're in the group. What's it's not only you, but everybody around you. Sure. Okay. Then we analyze. So now we're going to look, what's the truth of what's really going on here? The truth is this is an educational conference for a broad audience. So that means that nothing has to be super technical. Um, We want to provide educational material of which there are numerous topics. Dog bites are one topic. And then there are like a gazillion other topics. The truth is, is that you already have a talk prepared in one domain the truth is that you did lose your research thing you your research coordinator and while you could get some numbers do we know how accurate any of that is if this girl is going to have to be like well i think i might be able to go but get these registries pulled i don't know like how accurate is that data even going to be yeah yeah it's all mm -hmm. so that's the truth and then you triage okay what do i need to do first here in the process of getting this done Okay, first, identify you have a talk. Secondly, communicate with these people. Or even better, when you (laughs) communicate with them, hand over your slides at the same time. It's Mm. like, hey, I am so sorry. This was just not able to be done. And in service to everybody at this meeting, I really want to provide educational material to you. Here are my slides. What do you think? Like you could just have an open hole because I don't have dog bite data or you could have this. What do you prefer? Mm-hmm. That's it. That has everybody's interest in mind. And then you just, well, that would be the engaging with the noble purpose is writing out your email. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I've... 
I think everything you're saying makes sense. It's it's reasonable. Um, I hear hesitation. Yeah, you know, the hesitation is partly, I think I was semi-excited about canceling. You know, oh. I... <laughs> A little bit, you know, there was, there were, there's pros and cons, obviously, but I think Mm -hmm. I had pretty much, I I had, I don't know, I had tentatively resolved that I was going to cancel and um, just choose myself, honestly, because I, you know, don't do that with work that much. And I am trying to uh now through things like this and other stuff um and you know i i kind of created my story about that which is like things that i mentioned it's not going to be the end of the world you know things will not crumble because i canceled this talk it's yeah other people have canceled talks you know they are not going to fire me because i canceled this talk I actually don't think anyone at my institution will ultimately really care. Um, although, like I said, the the main barrier, I think, was like, I, I don't want to embarrass the institution or reflect poorly on the institution. Do you um, have a, an alternate in mind to fill in their hour? No, not a good one. I it, That would take some doing. Mm-hmm. But partly because there's really pretty much just one of me. Oh, okay. You know, like, so there's, there's not another person like me who would easily have a similar topic or there, I mean, yes, there, there are people that I could potentially ask. Um, I don't know. And that could be okay too, you know? Could yeah. Be so if what you, what I'm hearing is, is your desire is to not go that's okay because I'm not in the business of quashing human desire, particularly women's desires. We spent millennia getting women's desires smashed down. Right. So I don't uh, want to smash so down. Maybe not. It, I guess clarifying that when you put it that way, I'm not sure that my desire is not to go. My desire was really in this moment, not to have to put together a new talk. Okay. Well, we solved that problem. You definitely <laughs> right. don't have to put together a new talk. Right. End of right. story. Like this will work. It will work. If it doesn't work, I will pay you twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you okay. definitely don't have to do that. And presented with the alternative of nothing or this other thing that's educational for this group of people, they're gonna choose that every day, all day. And they're gonna be grateful that you didn't bail because you okay. don't have data. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right. So I think maybe the real question is, is what do you desire? And we are not in the business of crushing women's desires. So if you truly desire to not do this thing, then that's an entirely different thing to talk about. So if, you know, something comes up where you really know what you desire, then that might be worth putting through the same thing. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, with something, yeah, if, if I can do 
the existing talk, I'm really fine with doing it. Yeah. You know, it's not that I, I don't have a strong desire to not do it. I also, I guess on the flip side, like this isn't my life's passion, giving lectures at conferences. Like that's just yeah. not, it's not my favorite thing to do. I was talking through this with somebody else earlier. It's like a, you know, a six out of 10. It's kind of neutral to positive. And the positive sure. part of it for me is that it, it's education. Like I think it's a good service. It's, you know, useful to the world, hopefully, assuming that it's like a, a decent, a decent lecture. Um, so, you know, that's, that's primarily why I do these. Um, yeah. I mean, education yeah. means something to you. Sure. Great. Yeah. I also want to say one other thing that, you know, if we're really telling the truth about the situation, which is that you lost your research coordinator, you asked if this data had even been pulled and the person who you asked, well, what you described was kind of like a lukewarm response and like, maybe, I don't know, I'm going to have to see kind of thing. Um, my guess is, is that's the truth. And my guess is, is that to put together meaningful data and put that in with your talk is doable, but would be quite stressful and not good. Now, that doesn't mean you you can't take that option. Anybody can. But if we're looking at everything kind of like in this broad landscape, why would we want to risk giving data that's crappy data over something that's more of a sure thing? And unless you're really certain that whoever this is can pull your data and, you know, like, here's where I draw the line at, is it your responsibility to go in and like into the computer system and pull the data? I don't know. Right. Right. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think probably I, I am going to touch base with this person again tomorrow morning and, yeah. you know, we'll see, see what it's like. Um, and I think if it's looking fishy, you know, or just, you know, if it's looking like it would need more work, I am not, not meaning to imply that it's, there's some kind of subterfuge there, but right. Uh, yeah. If it's looking like it's not going to be finishable, you know, then I think I would definitely bail on that option. Mm -hmm. What I, what, so then what I wanted to offer to you too, because you introduced yourself as the one who procrastinated on doing all of this is maybe you procrastinated and maybe you didn't, but it is not effective to label yourself as the procrastinator when there are other moving parts going on here. Like, could you have been barking down somebody's throat to get these numbers to you? Yes. Well, that wouldn't have been effective engagement, but could you have been trying to get the data sooner? Yes, but you did have this thing happen where you lost your research coordinator. These are just things that are happening right now in this post-COVID apocalyptic healthcare system. So I just, I see this as a pretty clear win-win if you want it to be okay. by just using your other talk. I I don't know. Sure. Pilates sure. has raised her hand and I don't know if she has something to add to this or if she has a new problem, but 
before I um, mute you, procrastinator, do you have anything else you want to add or anything that's just not sitting right with you? Because I still hear hesitation. Um, so yeah, I'm just saying I'm a cautious person by nature. So I don't, uh, I'll, I, I like to think about things a bit, but um, no, I don't have anything to add. I'm happy to see the floor because I don't want to take up the whole time. Yeah. So um, being a yeah. cautious person is great because it's even more reason to consider the well-being of everybody, all the stakeholders here, which is you, the program coordinators, the, um, the girl who has to pull all this data, Another stakeholder is all the audience members and what benefits everybody. Yes. I I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Cautious <laughs> people or people who think about what benefits everybody. And when everybody wins, everybody's happy. Okay. <laughs> Please. So, thank if you. you. If you have any trouble working through this in the next few days, if, if you're like, feeling hesitation and you, this isn't sitting well with you, this coaching. And if I totally botched it, you got to let me know, text me or email me and we can work through it virtually. Um, so you're not just like, ah, I don't know what to say in the email or whatever. Um, okay. I'm going to go ahead and, um, let Pilates speak now. Still talking. Hi, Pilates. Hi. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I made dinner and then like I couldn't get him to leave. <laughs> and he normally doesn't eat that much, but he like kept asking for more food. And I was like, all right, I guess whatever I made was pretty good. But I got to go now. <laughs> got to go, Pilates. <laughs> yeah. I mean, guy. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, awesome. gosh, that was funny. Did you um, like him? What's that? Did you like him? Um, I've seen him for a little bit. I think he might be Mr. Right now, but maybe not Mr. Forever. And I'm like, at mm, my age, can I be dating Mr. Right now? I don't know. Yeah. So we'll okay, we'll so how, how can Room 1 be of service to you tonight, Pilates? Um, I wanted to know if we could um, continue the session we did at the last coaching um, about that interaction I had with our lead MA. Yes. Um, so I know we were, we were, cause it was sort of towards the end. So then we were just discussing, you know, that um, technique of kind of looking at what you're bringing to the table and how it can influence other people. And that's sort of where we left off. Did, were there any developments between then and now? Um, the only thing that was a little interesting to me was I asked our practice manager, you know, how he wanted to handle it. Like, was he going to talk to her? Did he want her written up? What was he going to do? And then he said to me, out of the blue, you've been nasty to me. And yeah. I was like, I have, because I don't recall any negative interactions between him and I. Um, he's pretty calm and, you know, while I'm not his biggest fan, I really don't remember ever being rude or anything to him. And I said, like, was it an email? Because sometimes it can be hard to, like, interpret an email. I said, no. And I said, well, is there any specific example you can give me? I really don't remember. And he said, no. So I don't know if, like, he really thought that or if he doesn't want to deal with this. I have no idea. Because, like I said, I really don't recall any negative interactions with him. Um, I think I told you he's from, like, the town next to where I grew up. Yeah. So I feel like we just have you know, 
a little, we understand each other a little bit more than maybe some of the other staff do because we live mm-hmm. in a different part of the country. Um, and uh, aside from that, um, this lead MA has mostly ignored me. Um, you know, if I ask her if I need something for my clinic, she'll go and do it. But she mostly avoids my clinic. Um, I bring in like treats for the staff from time to time. And she has when she normally would, you know, sort of eat whatever I brought in. She's not I don't know if she's not doing it in front of me, but um, she's kind of kept her distance, I would say. OK, which, then- you know, on on, on a good note is that like the very inappropriate comments to me in my clinic have stopped so at least that's one positive there okay um and then last time you talked about you guys like having a yelling match you you described it in those terms and I wondered what specifically were you guys saying in that yelling match like what were the words that you're saying to each other yeah so uh the first couple sentences were fine. And then when it escalated into a yelling match was when she was trying to interrupt me before I finished, you know, the thought I want to say to her. And I said, please don't interrupt me. Um, I, you know, let me finish talking. And that's when she said, you need to talk to me like an adult. I'm not a child. Like you need to learn how to speak to me. Um, and I said, you know, I just need to finish what I'm saying. And she's like, no, you're, you know, you're not talking to me like an adult or two adults here. Um, and I said, you know, this is like my clinic. I'm trying to, but now, now we're like shouting. So I'm like saying this in a yelling tone, like, you know, this is my clinic. We're trying to like get things going for the patients. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care if you're a physician, I don't have to listen to you. Like we're two adults communicating with each other. And then when she was doing this, she had her fingers very close to my face, like kind of pointing at my face. Cause, um, one of the, uh, my, my office is next to the PA's office. And one of them said, she's like, I couldn't, she's like, I heard the yelling, but the only thing I could actually hear was like, you both saying not to talk to each other like children. So this is super fascinating. What did you say to her before she started interrupting? Um, I said to her, okay, so I only had one MA that day when I normally have two. Oh, I said that the MAs really did not help out in my clinic. Oh, you know what I said to her? So in our office, the physicians get priorities over the uh, PAs for the MAs. And they had two MAs for two PAs when they could have easily had one doing both of them, um, just because, you know, their volume is not as high. So Mm -hmm. I said to her, um, you know, there should have been another MA in my clinic. They weren't helping out. They weren't available. And then I said to her, I know you were busy with inject with like injection stuff. She was like making some phone calls. Um, and then I don't think I actually got to tell her that like, I, I sort of expected her to help out more. Cause I think at the injection part, she started interrupting and then the whole thing, you know, exploded. Okay. What's so fascinating is, is she's accusing you of treating her like a child and she's actually acting like a child. You know, what's really interesting is that, you know, I think I've talked about this before, like our office manager at our other location where the same thing has happened. And I actually flat out told her, I said, well, if you're going to act like a child, I might have to treat you like one. Um, That's the thing. This is what I'm talking about, about these, like these vibes that we bring, because there is probably some degree of like a residue in the way that you're speaking with her. That is kind of like a parent talking to a disobedient teenager. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah. And she is acting like a disobedient teenager. Mm-hmm. And 
accusing you of treating her like a disobedient teenager. And do you see how those two like feed off of each other? I do. And I think the reason she probably got so upset is because I, you know, essentially caught her like not doing the work she was supposed to be doing Uh for the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a parent catches their kid sneaking in after curfew. Right. That's exactly right. See, so once we understand the scene, like we understand the words that you're saying and the things that actually happen. It's like you catch her not doing her job. You call her out on not doing her job, just like a parent catches their teenager and scolds their teenager for sneaking in after hours or whatever. We can see that. We can see it play out. She knows, like, well, maybe she doesn't know, but she's acting exactly the way she's accusing you of treating her. She's acting like that. So what would be the biggest win here? The biggest win here is that she's an adult and you're an adult and you both Mm -hmm. act like adults. Now, it's not to say that you're not acting like an adult, but you're, Mm -hmm. what we need to do is we need, you need to resign the role of her mom as her mom. And Mm -hmm. she needs to rise up to the level of adulting that can seem very daunting at the surface because you're like, I can't control this girl. I can't, Mm -hmm. she, I have nothing to do with the way she's acting, but that's not true. We absolutely do. We have influence over the way other people act. So the idea here is, is to look at your own vibe and see what you're bringing or contributing to the situation that might be causing this for you. And then working on that Mm -hmm. and inevitably the other person will, um, respond accordingly and if they don't then nothing has been lost but the time is going to pass either way so what would you rather do keep doing what you're doing and it's not working mm-hmm. it's super painful or would you rather try this new thing right see how it goes yeah the other the other thing is is it's like um I just lost it I lost what I was gonna say this happens to me I'm not even that old. And it's just like, poof, it just leaves. Um, This part I know about myself that could play a role here is that some people are really good at staying calm, like Mm -hmm. when the face of conflict or when they're getting yelled at or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if someone yells at me, I'll just yell back at them. Yeah. Okay. This is where these steps come in then (laughs) again. Oh, my steps are working. (laughs) So in very real time, what we have to do is detach where you just either internally, cognitively push the pause button or just remove yourself from the situation if you have that ability. And my contention is, is that the only reason why you would never have the opportunity to remove yourself from a situation if somebody's actively dying right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we have the ability to just press pause for a moment, even though we think we don't, we do have that time. Press pause start to watch, watch everything that's going on, watch yourself. Then you regulate your nervous system through whatever means necessary. And if I haven't already, I've posted these, I think a couple times that I can post them again or send them directly to you is these, I have a list of like a hundred different things you can do to regulate your nervous system that allows your prefrontal cortex to come online. Then you externalize your focus. So 
instead of having things focused on you and what's best for you, focus outward on what's best for everybody. Like patients, MA, other MAs, the um, office manager, like what is going to be a win for everybody here? Just you don't even have to know what the win is. You just have to focus your attention outward on what's best for the entire team. Then analyze the situation. To analyze properly, you have to get a bigger point of view. When you're like honed in on that tunnel view of that particular circumstance of the clinic, the yelling, you know, just like that super narrow vision, it requires us to kind of gaze outward, take a more of a 30,000 foot view and look to see the entire playing field. What is the game we're playing? This game is orthopedic clinic. How do we win this game of orthopedic clinic? So you have to see the entire field and then tell the truth about what's going on. Well, we just did that. The truth is, is that she's acting like a rebellious teenager and you're treating her like a rebellious teenager. And even if you're not overtly consciously treating her like a rebellious teenager subconsciously or that internal kind of like vibe thing is it's giving her that sense and also there are other things going on in the clinic that we need to tell truth about like these are the things that need to happen for a successful clinic blah 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 then you triage what you need to do and in what order and then from there you move on with a noble purpose meaning each action you take is with the good of the entire team in mind. So it sounds like resigning from the role of her angry mom is the first step. Are you yeah, normally, her? yeah, normally when these things happen, um, I will tell the practice manager and have him sort of be the third party to pass it on, but he was mm -hmm. actually out that day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next day I'm in a different office. So I didn't want sort of all that time to pass. Um, but I normally try to do like through a third party. So it's not, you know, me getting angry at somebody. Yeah. So the other thing that you might consider, since now, you know, this is kind of the dynamic of your interaction with her. My guess is, is that this characterizes other instances you've had with her where she's acting like a rebellious teenager. Mm hmm because you described the way in which she does not do her job very well, mm -hmm. kind of like haphazardly and lackadaisical and she's not trained for it. And maybe to even a certain extent, she's like a teenager who got foisted into a role without appropriate training. Yeah. You know, like there might be a reason why she's acting that way. Um, and then you can start to identify, okay, what are the things that I can do within my, um, you know, my immediate um, engagement with her to dissolve that. And I don't know if we'll be able to figure those things out in the next minute. But again, like I offered to the other person, the um, labeled procrastinator, I'd be happy to extend that to you too, of like through email or texting to how to dissolve step-by-step -step the things that are, that you're bringing since that's all you can do. Yeah, I think that would be good. Um, Cause again, I, I think I understand this dream thing, but I'm still, <laughs> I, I, I think as part of it, I I missed the beginning. Um, yeah. So I was otherwise distracted today, but um, mm -hmm. just um, figuring out how those steps kind of lead you to sort of change your influence. 
Yeah, this is the beginning. This kind of like sets the stage for how to engage. And then we just need to identify the specific things that are impacting you. Um, somebody, Sunflower just said, I think this model can help move to what's best for everyone instead of what's frustrating me. That's exactly right. Um, so just even the shift in focus on how to handle the situation can really dissolve a lot of tension between people because then they realize that you're not engaging with them for self-centered reasons or self-serving reasons. When we have the idea of service for all the stakeholders, so like I was talking about with procrastinator, the different stakeholders in her situation was not only her, but the person who has to pull all that data and then the leader of this, um, of the, uh, conference and then all of the audience members of the conference everybody is a stakeholder in that particular realm or game so you have stakeholders too and so when you have the idea that you are in service to not only yourself but all of the stakeholders that's a noble it's a noble um vibe it's a noble vibe and people respond very well to that they respond so well when they know that you care about them you don't have to like them, but when you care about them, when you care about their progress, you care about their well-being, you care about, you know, everything. Um, again, I'm not speaking super clearly about this at this moment, but I hope I'm getting the point across. Is it that um, externalization of the focus is magnetizing and people will listen. That alone yeah. can help. Um, but then what we want to do is then like pick apart, not pick apart. I'm sorry. That sounds super critical. That's not the point. We want to just identify what are these thoughts that you're having about this individual or situation and then try to, that are contributing to the way you're showing up as the angry mom and then dissolve them. And we dissolve them by disproving them, showing how they're ineffective, providing alternatives, and stuff like that. But we don't have time to do that right now. Um, can I ask just real quick if this would be an option? Because I actually did this before with my old MA. Um, uh, when our clinic was like very, very short staffed and it was terrible for everybody. Is I actually met with the MAs as a group and said, you know, what are the issues you are having? Um, you know, I asked them for feedback, how they thought clinic could be a little bit better. And then they said, you know, things are disorganized. We can't find stuff in the office. We came up with ways to organize them. Like, is that yeah. something that's like along these lines? Yes. And a way to loop in this person because she's been foisted mm -hmm. into the, well, not foisted. She's been put into the role of the leader of the MAs, right? Mm -hmm. And she's an ineffective leader. Yeah. So this is a way in which you can help, help, um, invite her to her own effective leadership to say, Hey, like I realize, you know, what, what happened the other day was really unpleasant for both of us. And I'm really sorry for what I contributed to that. Here's what I see as, um, potential problems that I wonder if these are, I wonder if any of this is a problem for you because you have not received any training on this. How can I be of service to you? Here's an idea I have that seemed to work in the past. If that sounds good, I would be happy to facilitate this so that you, you know what I'm saying? Like you already, yeah. did it. it's not that much more work on your part, but it's a way to engage yeah. her 
in her role that she's supposed to be playing, which is the adult <laughs> leader of the MAs, not the teenage rebellious leader of the, like, absent leader of the MAs. Um, and I might not have said that completely clearly, but that's exactly <clears throat> correct. Yeah, no, I, that was clear. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I can um, try something like that. And if it doesn't work, I'll send you an email and we can chat it out. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Okay. Oh, have a great thank rest you. of your night. Thanks, guys. Thank you.